Well, good morning. If you haven't been with us the last couple of weeks, we're going through a series of statements that Jesus made about who he was. And he claimed to be that he was the bread of life. He said, I'm the bread of life. He said, I'm the light of the world. We looked at those the first couple of weeks. And today we're looking at a statement Jesus made, I am the good shepherd. There's an outline inside your bulletin that has a wrong title on it. Okay, so uh, it was funny because after all the bulletins got stuffed, it was discovered and they said, oh, the outline's right, the title's wrong. And uh, well, should we run them again? I go, no, it'll give me a chance to point out the fact that we're looking at another one of these statements that Jesus is making. So if you'd cross that out, if you have a pen, just write in, I'm the good shepherd. And we're going to be talking about that today. And why did Jesus say these things? And he was trying to clarify who he is and what kind of relationship he wants with you and me. And it's awfully important we understand these things. Now, to get a running start at this, I want to remind us every week that God told Moses that his name is I Am. When God appeared to Moses in a burning bush, Moses had been a shepherd for 40 years, um, was 80 years old. From the time he was 40 till he was 80, he had tended sheep. He'd been a shepherd himself. And one day as he was out taking care of sheep, uh, a bush caught on fire and he saw it burning and he watched it burn and burn and burn and it's like it didn't burn up. So he walked over to see what was going on, what made this bush burn so long. And when he arrived at the bush, God spoke to him and said, take off your shoes, you're on holy ground. And he knelt before him and said, Moses, I have a job for you. I'm sending you back to Egypt. And he had fled from Egypt 40 years earlier because he'd killed a man. I'm sending you back and I want you to lead my people out of slavery. This is a job I have for you. And so Moses replied, here's a reply here. Moses said to God, well, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. I mean, he sent me to you to rescue. They'd been in slavery for hundreds of years to Pharaoh and the Egyptians. And suppose they ask me, what's his name? Then what should I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Now, I spent some time on this because each of the statements that Jesus makes in the series, he starts with those two words, I am. And he's not being coy or clever. He's identifying himself with the God who spoke to Moses from the burning bush. And it's the perfect name for God because of a couple of reasons. Let me give you a couple of reasons. First of all, it's because God is self-existent. He's self-existent. He made everything Nobody made him. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I'm the one who is, who always was, who's still to come, the Almighty One. Well, what else would you call somebody who's always existed? I am. It's not that I was or I will be. I am. I am who I am. I always am. I sound like... Dr. Seuss again, I did with green eggs and ham, but don't go there. Don't go there. But God is self-existent. He just is. It's also a perfect name because God is always present everywhere. It's true. David reflected on this Psalm 139. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths of the ocean, you're there too. For God to say, I am, is perfect because there's nowhere God is not. I mean, where, can you name a place where God isn't? No. Well, then I am. Where are you? Everywhere. So he is eternal. He is everywhere. 
and he's unchanging. He's unchangeable. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13.8, an Old Testament reference is Malachi 3.6, I am the Lord, I do not change. He doesn't learn. He already knows everything. We have to learn because we don't know very much. And some things we have to learn again because we forget. Can I get an amen on that? Yeah. Yeah. God never forgets. He knows everything. He doesn't change. So he's unchanging. And why is that important? Because that means he's faithful. And you can write this in in the margin. He's faithful. Great is thy faithfulness, is what we can sing. We can say it every day. You're everywhere, eternal, unchanging. You know everything I need. You know everything about me, and you love me anyway, and you will never change. We change all the time just because we're in a bad mood, or we're tired, or we're fussy. I mean, sometimes, you know, I wanted to grab lunch somewhere with somebody, and they said, well, didn't you used to eat at this place? I said, yeah, but they stopped making my sandwich. The restaurant changed hands. They don't make that sandwich I like anymore, so I'm not going there anymore. <laughs> changed. God never changes. He's always faithful. If that's good news to you this morning, would you say amen? amen? Now, don't miss this, because in each of these I am statements, Jesus is claiming to be this God, the creator God of the universe, in the flesh. That's what he's claiming. Last week when we looked at, I'm the light of the world, after he finished this, people knew he was claiming that. They said, who do you think you are? And he said, well, I think I am God's representative, the light of the world, to lead you the same way the pillar of cloud and pillar of fire led your ancestors through the wilderness. And so, well, our father's Abraham. And then we're jumping in this in John 8, 56. Your father Abraham, Jesus is speaking here, rejoiced and he looked forward to my coming. He saw it and was glad. And the people said, you aren't even 50 years old. How can you say you've seen Abraham? And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was even born, I am. If anybody ever tells you Jesus never claimed to be God, they just haven't read the Bible. He not only claimed to be God, he identified himself with the creator God of the universe saying, I and the Father are one in so many different ways. And right here, you know he, that they understood what he was saying because at that point they picked up stones to throw at him for blasphemy, for claiming to be God. But Jesus was hidden from them and he left the temple. So today, when we talk about Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd, He's saying, I am God in the flesh, the eternal one who's everywhere, who's unchanging. He's always faithful. And if you're looking for a good shepherd to guide you in this world, that's me. And that's the reason in the life application here, we don't just admire Jesus. We worship Jesus. Please understand the difference. Jesus was not just a great teacher. He was indeed a great teacher. He was more than a prophet. He is God, the creator God of the universe who appeared to Moses in a burning bush and spoke to him. He is God in the flesh. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and Jesus is eternal, everywhere, unchanging, and faithful. In heaven, 
This is what John saw in the revelation God gave him. I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne of heaven and the living beings and the elders. And they sang in a mighty chorus, worthy is the lamb. And they're speaking of Jesus here who is slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And you could keep going on and on and on. Worthy is the lamb. That's what worship means. It means worship. He is worthy of our praise. So I want to have a word of prayer for us before we get into talking about that Jesus claimed to be, I am the good shepherd and what that means. I just want to praise him because maybe today you needed to be reminded of these things. You came here and you've been wondering, does God even know where I am? I'm going through a hard time in my job. Does God really care about me because I had a bad diagnosis? Is God really faithful because things aren't turning out the way I thought? We have to understand that God's plans are eternal and he doesn't explain everything to us. He just asks us to trust him and to follow him. And that's why it's so important we have to think of him as a shepherd, the good shepherd, the great shepherd of the sheep. Will you pray with me, please? Oh, Lord Jesus, today we worship you. You are almighty, eternal, unchanging. Father, we are weak and temporal, and we change our minds on things all the time. Father, you are sinless, and we are sinful. You are all wisdom, and we are so foolish. You are love, and we are so selfish. And so, Father, that's why we come to you not only forgiveness, but we come to you for guidance. We come to you for power and for strength. We're so weak, but you are strong, and we worship you today. Almighty God, we worship you. And we are grateful that you sent your son into the world to reveal who you are and to make it possible for us to have a right relationship with you. So Lord, today I pray that you'll speak to us about why Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd and what that means. Move me out of the way, Lord, and say whatever you want to say to us today. Thanks for your word. Thank you for John writing these things down and recording your words faithfully. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray these things. Amen. Well, here's point B on your outline if you open that up. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And again, he chose these words carefully. Just like I am the bread of life and just like I am the light of the world, I am the good shepherd. And the first point he makes when he starts talking about this is that the good shepherd is the legitimate shepherd of the sheep. I mean, we just talked about the fact that people had picked up rocks to stone him a little while earlier for claiming to be God. He said, you know, don't, don't have questions about this. I'm a legitimate shepherd here. John 10, 1. I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. The one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. In the time in which Jesus lived, shepherds would have their flocks grazing on the hills for days at a time, but they would come in and bring their flocks into town, and they would probably trade out with another shepherd. They could be there for a time of rest. They could be there just overnight. And there was a community pen, a community sheepfold in every village where they'd have multiple flocks of sheep. It'd be a large 
sheep pen built of rocks and probably have all kinds of sticks and other things on top of it to be a, a secure pen so nobody could get in. And then at night, there would be a night watchman, this uh, gatekeeper who would watch the sheep overnight. And he made sure that only the shepherds could get in and he knew who the shepherds were, he would recognize them. And Jesus said, anybody else tries to get in that sheepfold, he's illegitimate, he's a thief or a robber. And Jesus is saying, I am the good shepherd because I walk through the gate. And what he was talking about was the fact that the people of Israel belonged to him. God's people were to follow him. Moses had said, a great leader like me will come, a prophet just like me will come. And we can, here's a life application for you and me, we can follow Jesus with confidence because he fulfilled all the Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah and satisfied all the requirements of the Old Testament law. At the time when God appeared to Moses, he told him, you're going to have to offer sacrifices for your sin because the people have sinned against me. And the wages of sin is death. And so you're going to have to take the best of your herd. A lot of the sheep that were raised in those days were raised for sacrifices. And it was very costly and bloody because the blood of the animal represented the life of the animal. And it had to be offered over and over again because the people kept sinning. And God explained all this to Moses. He showed them how to build a portable temple, the tabernacle they carried with them till they got to the promised land. And after the temple was built in Jerusalem, sacrifices were offered there, but they had to be offered over and over and over again. There was always the constant smell of burning sacrifices. There were always people who were washing off uh, utensils and other things that were covered in blood. There were always people taking the prized animals of their herd, and that animal was dying in their place. And you say, what did that sheep do? What did that bull do or that goat? Well, nothing. That was the point. The innocent animal died in the place of the guilty people because they'd sinned against God. But the animal wasn't a perfect sacrifice. And so those sacrifices had to be offered again and again. And the people said, oh, will there ever be freedom from this? Could there ever be a permanent sacrifice? And the only way there could be a permanent sacrifice was is there had been a prophecy of a Messiah who would come, who would set things right with God permanently. And Jesus said, that's me. I can walk right into the sheepfold and I can lead you all out of this bondage to Old Testament rituals and laws and trying to atone for sins on your own because the harder you try to be good, the more you realize you can't do it on your own. That's what is happening here in Galatians 4. But when the right time came, God sent his son, the apostle Paul talked about this, born of a woman, subject to the Old Testament law, and God sent him to buy freedom. You can circle those words there. For us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. When Jesus died on the cross for our sins, he said, paid in full. It is finished. I've paid the permanent sacrifice forever. No, that's why we don't sacrifice sheep and bulls today. Because Jesus paid the penalty for all our sins once and for all. And if that's good news to you this morning, would you say Amen. Well, Jesus was telling, this is all before he died on the cross, and he was telling people, I'm the good shepherd. I'm here to lead my people out of this. 
So you won't have to keep doing this anymore. You'll be freedom. You'll have freedom from the law. You won't have to keep offering these sacrifices. I'm going to make it possible for you to be adopted into God's own family and become his children the way he always wants it, the way he's always wanted it to be. I mean, this was unbelievable. And that's why he had to, I say, and I have the authority to do this because I am. I am. In Matthew 5, 17, Jesus himself talked about this. Don't understand why I came. I didn't come to abolish the law that God gave Moses after he appeared to him in the burning bush or the writings of the prophets. I came to accomplish their purpose. I came to, to pay the sacrifice once and for all. I'm not saying it's all wrong. I'm saying it was all true. Every time you sinned, the law pointed it out. And the law could point out you'd sin, but it couldn't pay for the sin and it couldn't change you. You still kept sinning. Jesus said, I'm going to pay the penalty in full and I'm going to ask my heavenly father to send the Holy Spirit to be with you and he'll be in you. And he changes us from inside out so we don't even desire to sin anymore. He changes our desires and gives us the power to obey him. And if that's good news, would you say amen? amen. This is what our shepherd promises us. If you follow me, I'll lead you out of trying to earn your way into heaven because you'll never do it. I mean, I had a conversation with somebody just a few months ago. It's, it's, I mean, I've had many of these. And they had gotten a diagnosis where they only had a year or so to live. And they said, you know, I just hope I've done enough to get to heaven. I said, well, I can assure you, you haven't. And then, what? I go, well, what kind of Bible are you reading? I mean, if there is some sort of scale here and John Schmidt had to do enough good things to even out all the wicked thoughts, all the careless things I've ever said, all the times I knew the right thing to do and I didn't do it, all the times I knew the wrong thing to do and I did it anyway and I don't want to go there with y'all right now because this is a lot. I'm never going to get there. Neither are you. But here's the good news. It's why we come to Jesus. Jesus said, paid in full. I am eternal, everywhere, unchanging, faithful. I'm the one who explained to you that the wages of sin is death. And I'm coming here to die and pay the wages of sin. Come to me. Don't miss this. You can never earn your way to heaven on your own. Never. And as a Christian, I'm not saying I'm better than other religions. People say, what makes you think that Christianity is better than other religions? Well, first of all, I think that we have a savior. And I don't think I'm better than anybody. I think I'm a sinner that's saved by God's undeserved kindness, by his grace. It's not about being better. It's about getting saved when I can't save myself. Every other religion, I'm trying to earn my way for, to God's presence or earn God's approval by my behavior, and I'll never make it, and neither will you. Amen. But what if God paid all my sins in full, placed his Holy Spirit inside of me, and he did the changing, and he empowered me? Now anything's possible. Well, Jesus went on and he's talking about this. He said, look, I'm the legitimate shepherd. I paid all the requirements of the law, fulfilled all the prophecies of the Messiah. And secondly, the good shepherd knows his sheep and they know him. So you had this community pen and in the Middle East, the shepherds didn't 
herd sheep like the way cowboys in Western movies would have a cattle drive with cattle, you know, get along, little doggie. All that. They didn't say that. They didn't do that. The way they did it was exactly the opposite. They called their sheep by name. They had names for each one of them. Brownie, Spotty, I don't know, Fluff, whatever it might be. Pudge, whatever it might be, you know, the heavy one. But the point is, I don't know, I'm just making it up, okay? So the point is, they had nicknames for every sheep out there, and they would call them by name. And they'd have a whistle and a call, and their sheep knew their voice like pets. And so what's really interesting is, is that the sheep would, he would lead them out. So there could be three or four herds or flocks of sheep inside this community pen. And all the shepherd had to do was stand at the gate and call him out. And his sheep would come out one by one. They knew his voice. They trusted him. They'd followed him for, from the time they were born. And they knew his voice. They knew he was the one who was going to take care of them. That's what he says. The sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And after he's gathered his own flock, he walks ahead. So he'd call them out of the community pen. They'd close the gate and then he'd take his flock and they'd go graze. Come on. Follow me. I mean, this is really wonderful. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. But I'm the good shepherd and I know my own sheep and they know me just as my father knows me and I know the father. Man, I love that passage. And I will tell you why it really comes home to me is because God calls people with his own voice. You may have noticed, if you haven't been with us before, you may have noticed when I was praying here for the message today and every week, just virtually every week, I think every time I speak, I pray this. Lord, I pray that you'll speak and move me out of the way. And that's the reason why. Because if God speaks to you, he can call you out. I have talked with people before and somebody said, you know, John, I don't know. These people, I don't know if anybody's going to listen. I had somebody that visited here not that long ago and I met them somewhere and they said, well, you know, I saw you talking to all those people there on Sunday morning. You know, you really think everybody's listening to you? And I go, well, I don't know if they're listening to me. The only thing I care about is if they're listening to Jesus. Because if Jesus speaks to you, you'll hear it. In fact, there have been people who've grabbed me and they said, were you listening at my house this week? How could you possibly be talking about what was going on in my house? I'll use an illustration. I'll go, my wife told you to say that, didn't she? I go, No. But next time, tell her to call me and pay me 50 bucks and I'll work it in. You know, no. No, that's not true. But God speaks to people. And here's what I count on. Today, you may have been wondering, can I really trust God? And we've already talked about you can put confidence in him. Secondly, now we're talking about that God knows us. And I want to remind you that God knows you by name. He knows everything you're going through. And a shepherd was the one who took care of his sheep. He made sure he took them to the right place for the nutrition they needed, for the water they needed, a place where they'd be safe. He protected them. He guided them. He provided for them. He watched over them. Safety, security, well-being. And the sheep said, hey, I'm sticking with him. 
That's all they had to do. The sheep didn't have to know where they were going. The sheep didn't need to know when they'd return. The sheep didn't need to know how anything was going to be provided for. All they had to know was that they were following the shepherd. And some of you need to hear that today because you've been going, man, I don't know how I ever got separated from Jesus. I drifted away from him, wandered off on my own, and it's brought me nothing but pain. And today Jesus would say, come back home. Come back home. Come on, let's go. That's the life application here. Following Jesus means entering into a trusting, personal relationship with the God of the universe who made us and knows what's best for us. He's the one who's eternal, everywhere, unchanging, and always faithful. We're not, and we need him. This is the 23rd Psalm from the New King James Version there. I'd love it if you'd read along with me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Do you realize in that psalm, here are some characteristics. God's provision, God's guidance, God's protection, God's blessing, God's eternal life. He's the one who leads us into green pastures and beside still waters. He's the one who guides us along the right paths for his name's sake. He's the one who protects us even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He's the one who anoints our head with oil and blesses us in the presence of our enemies. And he's the one who makes sure that goodness and mercy follow us all the days of our lives here and we can dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. If you follow me, I will provide for you. I will guide you. I will protect you. I will bless you. And I will prepare a place for you in my father's house where you will live forever. That's who I am. That's why we worship him. And this is amazing stuff. Thirdly, not only is he the legitimate shepherd, not only does he know his sheep and they know him, and he knows what's best for them so he can do all those things, but the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand is going to run when he sees a wolf coming. He'll abandon the sheep. And it belong to him, and he isn't their shepherd. He's not going to take one for the team here. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money. He doesn't really care about the sheep. Not that way for the shepherd. Shepherd's going to fight that wolf. And he said, that's me. I'm the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. Life application for you and me is that following Jesus means believing that Jesus sacrificed his life and put your name in there. I wrote in John. 
If you follow the good shepherd, it means you believe that Jesus died on the cross for you and for your sins. This is what the prophet Isaiah was talking about hundreds of years earlier. But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. And that was Jesus on the cross. And before it happened, he told his disciples, he told everyone who was willing to listen, I'm the good shepherd. I will provide for you. I will guide you. I will protect you from death itself. You'll have victory over death if you come to me because I'm going to pay the penalty for your sins. I will bless you. I will ask the Father to send the Holy Spirit upon you. And you will not only have abundant life in this world, you're going to have eternal life in the next. Man. That's why we worship him. Now, Jesus also said, this is point C on your alley. He also said something really interesting here, here. I am the door or I am the gate, depending on which translation you use. There was a community pen in the cities, a municipal pen where everybody could put their flocks together. But when you were out in the countryside and you stayed overnight, you had little places that might be a little box end of a small ravine or canyon, and you'd put some brush there in front of it, and there'd be a small opening and the shepherd would lie in that opening. Or he'd make a, a small corral out of bushes and brambles and other things that the sheep couldn't get through. And he'd leave a little opening there and he himself would lie in that opening. So he became the door. The sheep couldn't get out. And no attackers or wolves or thieves could get in. I'm saying, hey, I'm, I'm putting my body right here. And you get these sheep over my dead body. And that's why he's saying a hired hand isn't going to do that. A good shepherd will. And that's why the sheep trust him. They know that if they go in that pen, they're safe. And when he calls them out, they're safe. I tell you the truth. I'm the gate for the sheep. I mean, a gate and a door are the same. A, a gate is just a door to a pen. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep didn't listen to them. Yes, I am the gate, and those who come through me will be saved. They will come and go freely, and they'll find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life, and you can write abundant under there. My purpose is to give them abundant life. There were all kinds of religious leaders that had come before Jesus. There were religious leaders who hated Jesus because they were making money at the temple. They had engaged money changers at the temple. People had to offer sacrifices and they would sell them sacrificial animals at exorbitant prices. And some of these religious leaders would get the cut. I mean, they'd get their cut right off the top. There were other people, they walked around in long flowing robes and they got invited to all the special dinners and they stood and acted important. And Jesus said, I hope, and they would pray these big old prayers. And Jesus said, I hope you enjoyed that prayer because God didn't hear it. I don't know what kind of game you're playing here, but that's not the kind of faith God wants. He said, those are the people who've come before me. I'm not here to be a big deal. I'm here to pay a sacrifice. 
I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. He knew he was going to the cross. He knew what sinners we are. And he loves us anyway. Never think you're too much of a sinner for Jesus to die for you. He knew full well exactly how sinful you and I are. And he loves us anyway. And if that's good news to you, would you say amen? amen. Do not come here and say, well, you just don't know what a sinner I am. I got a pretty good idea. I look at the guy shaving in the mirror every day. He's a sinner. So are you. And apart from Jesus, man, we're never going to whoop this on our own. Now, here's something interesting. Gates or doors separate the inside from the outside. And gates and doors require us to make a decision. You can't be in the pen and out of the pen at the same time. You got to walk through the door. If I walk through the door, I'm in. If I don't, I'm out. And this is one of the things that irks people so much about Jesus. Because we like to live in a day and we say, all religions teach the same thing. There's no difference between Christianity and Islam and Hinduism or whatever else, Confucianism. There's no difference. Yes, there is. And the difference is Jesus. And Jesus said, I am the door. If you want eternal life, you got to go through me. I'm the one who laid down his life for the sheep. And... I take it back up again. And we're going to be talking about that in the next couple of weeks here. Here's the life application. We must each decide whether or not we'll trust Jesus as our Savior and follow him as our shepherd. Either I trust Jesus or I don't. If I don't, I could say, I'm good enough. I'm sure I've done enough good stuff to get to heaven. I'm sure God's thoroughly pleased with me. If that's your opinion... And you're married, check with your spouse because they might disagree. I would think they will. When he said these things, this is John 10, 19, the people were again divided in their opinions about him, just like today. Some said, Jesus, he's demon possessed. He's nuts. He's crazy. He's out of his mind. Why listen to a man? Why listen to a crazy man like Jesus? That's what they said about Jesus right there to his face. You're crazy. What are you talking about? Why are you saying you're eternal everywhere unchanging? You're just a guy. No, I'm God in the flesh. And I'm the good shepherd. You're demon possessed. Mm-mm. Here's what some others said. Others said, doesn't sound like a man possessed by a demon to me. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? And Jesus had just opened the eyes. He's, there's a guy standing next to him who'd been blind since birth. He was more than 40 years old, and Jesus had healed him while he's teaching this lesson. And if somebody ever tells you, you know, if Jesus would just do a miracle today, then I'd believe in him. He did a miracle right there. The guy was standing right next to him. And he said, that's who I am. I'm the God who can do this. And the guy who was blind said, he healed me. And the people said, oh, Jesus is a sinner. He's demon possessed. He's crazy. And he said, look, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. Where he came from, I don't know. But I'll tell you this, nobody's ever heard of anybody who can make a blind man who's more than 40 years old see again. He must be God in the flesh. 
And they threw him out of the temple. They said, you're crazy. But not everybody. Because when Jesus speaks, his sheep hear his voice. Maybe today that's you. Maybe, maybe today you're going, oh, I don't want this message to end. I want God's provision. I want God's guidance. I want God's protection. Keep talking. I want God's blessing. I want eternal life. I want Jesus now. Give me more Jesus. If that's you today, you got to respond to him today. There is a card inside your bulletin. It's a little card that says, Good Shepherd on it. On the back side, there's just some lines. I'd like you to write a request. This is a prayer. Maybe it's a prayer for any of these things. Maybe it's a prayer for, to come to Christ yourself or to somebody else, for somebody else to come to Christ. I want you to fill that out. And now we're right back where we started. Remember, we don't just admire Jesus, we worship him. Psalm 95. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Oh, today, if you'd only hear his voice and not harden your hearts. The closing song, I want you to fill out some things on that card. Whatever you need from the shepherd. Make it a prayer request today. Will you pray with me, please? Oh, Lord, I thank you for John being faithful to write down what Jesus said. I thank you for the words of Jesus. They are words of life and they are words of hope. I don't have to figure out my whole life. I just got to follow you. I don't have to atone for all my sins. I got to bring my sins to you. I don't have to have the strength to deal with every problem. You'll give me the strength I need. And so, Lord Jesus, today we just come before you and we say, God, please lead us. We are like sheep. You are the shepherd. You're the door. I'm coming in. Whatever you need to surrender today, whatever worry, whatever concern, if you want to surrender your life to Christ today, write that on the card. And if you'd like to talk to somebody, then put your phone number or your email down in there and we'll, we'll call you. We'll tell you what to do with the cards in a minute. In the name of Jesus, we pray these things together. Amen.